service to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. Hello. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Voyager. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, uh, we are live on the Instagram as we record this. Uh, if people follow the at Greatest Trek accounts, we're gonna we're gonna be doing more of these, I think, in the future. More more times to watch us live, but uh, but today we are gonna do a mailbag episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing of this. <laughs> uh, I was telling the folks before you uh, joined us on the live stream that uh, we have received so many packages in the last... Like, there was a, a pretty long period of time where my wife and I barely left the house at all. Like, we stopped even going I'm to sorry, the grocery I'm sorry, Ben, store. did you say you did or didn't get a haircut? Because you look like <laughs> you did get a haircut, and it looks like you asked for the child actor. <laughs> <laughs> I went down there, and they they weren't open. They were they were gone. You look you look like a very precocious eight year old. <laughs> what to, I look like is a Bieber. I have I have a real Bieber thing happening right now. Yeah, and uh, that reminds me of a time that I was the director of photography of a music video for a kid rock group. Ben's gonna talk about. Music videos. <laughs> we were at, uh, we were shooting uh, at a at like a county carnival in New Jersey, and this kid kid rock group was composed entirely of kids with the haircut that I currently am living with. Wow! And uh, we were walking like among the carnival games and uh, Zeppeli huts, and uh, I just heard a New Jersey dad watch this, you know, crew of kids with a camera camera crew following them and just go what is this Bebas? <laughs> god speaking of jersey accents i've just gotten back into the current season of this old house after a prolonged break oh man and holy shit it, it, are you current on that show uh I, i'm probably three or four episodes off of current but uh i'm watching the episode i saw last night had to do with a speaker inserted into a ceiling and then it was oh i just thought that one also <laughs> what was up with the five different accents the interior designer had in one scene <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> yeah that, that interior designer is extremely sus, yeah. I want to say. It's like she's like assumed an identity and didn't realize that she was going to be on a public television show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hooked again. <laughs> I've had a long layoff from, from this old and now I am back in, in a big yeah. way. This season did not have a great start due to COVID. Yeah. But uh, yeah. hey, uh, let's get into all these packages because we have a lot to get through, even though it's only about half of total. I'm just trying to do a regular Marin over here. I'm trying to I'm trying to disrupt this thing you have going. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. The first package we have here uh, is from someone who needs no introduction. It's from Bree Belke and Bradley. How about that? Uh, yeah. One of our best friends, DeSoto. Yeah. I tried to kind of, I, I tried to look at the postmarks of these things and I'm, I'm doing my best to open the ones that were sent the earliest so that, uh, so that it's not out of order. But um, let's see, what do we got here? Oh boy. 
<laughs> we got some stickers here. This facility has gone X number of days without an assimilation. It's kind of a glossy material, so I, I bet if you wrote on that with a uh, with a dry erase marker, there you, go. you could uh, yeah, you could wipe it off and 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 change the number. <laughs> got. Uh, sticker of the pizza box that you would get at uh that's great commander riker's pizza restaurant yeah papa riker's neptune st oh nepente style pizza that's right always fresh always hot with those real tomatoes yeah and uh and none of the uh poison gland from the uh from the buns we need a colonel kira pizzeria with her just blowing up a pizza <laughs> oven yeah the pizza comes in a in a bag because it's been made into dust. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is uh, this is just a, a holiday card from Bree with a couple of uh, photos of the kitties. Way to go, Bree! Sending holiday cards this year—that was pretty big challenge for most people. Yeah. Ben, Adam, and wives and pets too. Thanks for being such a bright spot in 2020. You are both owed hooves in 2021. Well, don't threaten us with a good time, Bree. <laughs> yeah, I might actually finish mine this time. <laughs> Next package here is uh, from Christopher B. in Hyattsville, Maryland. Uh, there's a, a long treatise on the back of this uh, padded manila envelope that says, P.S. My wife does all the shipping for our house. Imagine her surprise when I asked for a shipping label. She said, Who and what are you shipping? I said... The Star Trek podcast, guys. Biggest eye roll ever. Mm. Afterward, she asked if Uxbridge Shimoda LLC was a real name or a joke. I told her it was real, and she said, cross out my name on the label and write your name instead. I don't want to get mixed up in all this. <laughs> it's the only way we can do real business with real business people <laughs> is to have a real business sounding business name. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good idea by us. Uh, so what we've got here are a couple of, looks like, burned CDs <laughs> or DVDs. Uh -huh. uh, Always a great gift in 2021. <laughs> uh, and a, uh, here's, a, here's a letter. When a co-worker asked, have you ever watched the Turkish Star Trek? I quickly Googled and discovered the storyline of this movie is the Enterprise picks up a Turkish hobo. I smashed the buy it now button and bought the DVD, but later it had to cross over the railroad tracks to the sketchy side of the internet in order to download something called a, quote, bit torrent that contains the English subtitles. As I am the source of many bits, I expected a bit torrent client to be a pleasant experience. All I do is bits, bits, bits. No matter what. You're always doing bits, bits, bits. No matter what. Boy, was I mistaken when I was fed into the ball-kicking machine of endless advertisements for either boner hill pills or pornographic websites that offered credit card-free, no-more-bullshit offers for premium membership. Wow. The plot for Turkish Star Trek is lifted from Star Trek the original series and closely relates to the man trap featuring a main character omer that is pulled through time to fulfill a shotgun wedding to dr mccoy's ex-girlfriend nancy when omer is beamed on board the enterprise hijinks ensue and captain kirk and mr spack sick are flummoxed well that's a better episode recap than we're used to reading at the end of our shows yeah uh, I watched about 30 minutes before I encountered the dialogue I've attached. 
If you are not worried about a BitTorrent, quote, flooding your basement, then I recommend popping this disc into your player and enabling English subtitles. I think you will enjoy the production failure of this film and have a lot of laughs. Thank you both for your work on TGG. I am catching up with episodes currently deep in the pocket of Season 6 of Deep Space Nine. Well, you are close to the climactic end of Season 7. I have been feverishly listening, listening in order to catch up so we can both finish at the same time. No bits on tips. Dolphin Horgons for life. Float the buoy for Raz and Plavim. They're the only hope for Delta Rana 4. In a shouting voice, This is Brigadier General Christopher D. Blunk, United States Marine Corps from Maryland. Out! It's big fun. <laughs> Uh, this next one is from Amazon Fulfillment Services, and it's to us. Is it a, is it a jar full of urine? <laughs> uh, they do sell that stuff. Oh, thank goodness there are some gift notes in here. Hey, B&A, here's the official DS9 comic I worked on last year. Wow. Hope you like this Odo-centric tale of suspense. Also, this might be handy if you run out of stuff to cover on the greatest discovery feed i'm just saying from philippe sobrero and second note if i were drawing and not just coloring this i swear i would have drawn you guys in the background i swear (laughs) you know i wore philippe's uh philippe sent me very kindly he sent me a couple of masks one of them with the sylvester stallone uh this part of the face yeah and i remember uh, these and i wore that outside exactly once before my wife <laughs> told me I could never do that again. <laughs> uh, well, it's the thought that counts, right? I, um, I still treasure those masks, Philippe. These are big, thick graphic novels that he has sent us, and uh, and it is a it looks like a really like deep, involved DS Nine storyline. Um, oh yeah, hold hold it up! Whoa, beautiful coloring. And the illustrations suck because we're not in them. Those look like some thick, glossy pages. The title of the comic is Murder on the Edge, Too Long a Sacrifice. I wrote a thesis paper in a film studies class with that very same title. (laughs) So that's weird. Wow. I can't wait to read this. Then there's a copy for each of us. So yeah. um, next time I was just going to say how much fun it is to watch you open presents, like being invited to your birthday party. And well, uh, except for there's a, there's a duplicate of every one of these presents for you, Adam. That's nice. That makes me feel better. I, when was the last time I saw you in real life? Like two months ago? Yeah. I think, uh, it, it has been a long time since that burrito. Yeah socially distanced burrito where we stood across the street from each other and shouted yeah really <laughs> really was worth the trip <laughs> the uh the 30 minutes to fairfax the adam and ben story <laughs> all right we got a few more packages to get through here this one is from Scott G in Villa Park, Illinois. We've got 260 friends of DeSoto watching this. No and way! Good job. That's a lot. Oh wait, uh, seven just left. They're they're really dropping out now. I understand that. Yeah. yeah, I I would leave too if I were a friend of DeSoto. Everything seems to be letter sized and not box sized. What's up with that? I'm getting to the boxes. I always work my way up. I got to see that box, Ben. All right. No. What? I'm trying to, like, not put people's addresses out on the internet, I always say this on videos. (laughs) 
Show, show me that box. <laughs> yeah. Tilt the camera down and show me that box, Ben. There's no note in here, as far as I can tell. But uh, it's an it's another Deep Space Nine comic that is like sealed into a bag here. Oh yeah. It's uh, at the edge of the final frontier, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, and there's a free poster inside. Well, I gotta open the bag then. Oh god, you've totally devalued it. Don't yeah, don't open mine. We won't be able to flip this for cash on the internet. I want mine kept in it, kept and sealed. Okay. Well, I like this poster tremendously. Wow, look at that. Look at that Cisco with hair. That's an era. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a whole mood. Yeah. Jadzia Dax. I mean, wild. Someone on the on the Greatest Gen Reddit posted a picture of the box of cards, the the uh, the collectible trading cards. Yeah. And it struck me just how kind Ben Cisco looked, like kind and friendly, and like completely unlike the Ben Cisco we know from that show. Like inviting, <laughs> like inviting you to open up cards with him was the look on yeah. his face on that box of cards. He was a much more huggable guy when he was a commander. I feel like becoming a captain really like put a put a harder edge on him. Well, yeah, I mean that those first couple of seasons were all about him hugging his son, every episode. Yeah. Big hugs. All right. Here's one from M. Johnson in Vancouver, Washington. Not Vancouver, Canada. It says fragile and the box is in terrible condition. So I'm a little bit worried about this one. Uh, Finally. Box is really beat up. Boy, look at that beat up box. <laughs> Got a little note here. Dear Ben and Adam, love the pod and absolutely loved your live show last November in Portland, my local one-screen movie theater in Vancouver, Washington. The Kiggins has been selling has been selling off their collection of old movie trailers. Did you say the Higgins was the name of the theater? It looks like the Kiggins. Hmm. I'm not. Maybe I'm. She has a very uh, ornate uh, handwriting style here, so I'm not sure. Uh, whether it's the Higgins or the Kiggins, but one of those two. It's been selling off their collection of old movie trailers to help stay afloat. When I saw this copy of Star Trek V up for grabs, I knew exactly who it needed to go to. Hopefully one of you has a projector so you can view it in all its glory. Looking forward to more live shows in the future. Meg. Wow. This is a 35 millimeter print of the Star Trek V. It's in like a like a wax paper bag. That's and amazing. And it has Star Trek V written on it. Should I try and like hold a cell up to the camera sure. on my phone so people can see it? When I was a projectionist, uh, I'm probably not supposed to say this, I, I took a number of trailers from my theater. Wow. But I never got a Star Trek one. Was there a Star Trek film in theaters or being promoted while you were... While you were there? Not in the years when I worked there. Those were those were a sad number of years. Let's see. I've, all I've got is like the the credits at the end of the trailer here. Perfect. On the... <laughs> oh yeah! Look at that. Oh yeah! It's it's showing up great. <laughs> well, I don't want to mess this up because I don't have a rewind table here uh, yet. Uh -huh. But. Uh, once I get a once I get a thirty five millimeter film projector, which I like, am actually kind of thinking about trying to do. You uh, gotta do it. I got to right. If 
Man, that's so neat. That's the rule. 35 you... millimeter film is the coolest thing in the whole wide world. Then it's California law. When you move into a place with a projector booth, you need to get a projector <laughs> for that booth. Oh, Did man. your realtor yeah, not the... tell you that? Um, yeah, I think I think we have like 12 months from move-in date to comply with that local ordinance. Yeah. I think we have two boxes left. All right. This one is from Alex P. in Lindenwald, New Jersey. Got a letter to Ben and Adam. It is sealed with a wax seal. Oh, no. With a bird on it. With a summons? <laughs> You've been served. Wow. Typewritten letter. Uh, like with a real typewriter, I think. How's that? Dear Ben and Adam, this letter looks like all good letters written by folks who are perpetually a little bit embarrassed. It is sent by way of an apology, more specifically an apology for my behavior at your Philly show, October 23rd, 2019. Ben, I'm sorry I drank too much and demanded you signed my Jaeger. You had already graciously signed it once and were already in the process of doing it again. Please accept this custom Data and Geordi sunscreen. I vaguely remember you mentioning you wished it existed. May it keep your Prius cool and your dashboard vibrant. You know, it's about oh, time people are apologizing for their actions at our live shows. <laughs> keep it up. Yeah, this is going to be a big reveal. <laughs> this rules. I can't believe it. So this it. is the this is the put up in your window to reflect the sun's rays window screen for your for your car with Jordy and Data piloting a bunk bed shuttlecraft. Now we're in business with Alex P, right? Because this is a product we've wanted to make forever. Here's there's also a letter to you in here, Adam. Adam, I'm sorry I didn't run that grift on eBay with you. I genuinely genuinely wanted to, but I would be lying if I said I wasn't afraid of the electronic bay coming for their cut and breaking my legs when they found out there was no money. <laughs> Please accept this burn bag print fabric I had made. You offhandedly mentioned lining a jacket with it in an episode of the hit war movie podcast Friendly Fire. Now it exists and it's your problem. Wow. So, look at that. Uh, That's amazing. Bag. And it's like it's it's a it looks like a light kind of rayon like fabric, so it it probably would make a decent you jacket can, you liner. You could shoot your arms through those sleeves no problem. <laughs> it exists and friendly fire does not. <laughs> wow. I uh I left a great tailor up in Seattle that would have uh done great with that. I'm sure you could get in touch with that tailor and send them something. Yeah. But uh, I can probably introduce you to someone down here if, if you'd rather do I'm, it local. I'm sure you have a Rolodex full of L.A. tailors. It's <laughs> very much you. Thanks so much for years of great pod. Maybe I'll get to see you guys live again before the sun explodes. Best regards, Alex. Well, I look forward to doing live shows again, if for no other reason but to encourage more apologies from our viewers. Yeah, if... Somebody getting a little too tipsy at a, at a live show results in us getting awesome stuff like this. I'm all for it. Uh, oh, and he also adds, P.S. Rolaren. Last package here, biggest one. It says Frozen. Oh, no. I think that might just be because it, it was, it, this is a, a repurposed box. Um, that had Frozen merchandise in it? 
or used used to contain frozen fresh crab legs. It looks like it had pies in it. If, if there are like rotten pies in here, I'm going to be very upset. I think for the sake of the pod, for the sake of this live feed, I hope there are <laughs> pies in there. It's just a plume of mold spores enter my face yeah. when I open it. Yeah. Uh, this is from Michelle L. in St. Paul, Minnesota. Another part of the country we love visiting on tour. Does the box smell like anything? It has no smell to it. Oh. Letter? Dear Ben and Adam, a few months back I emailed you about some t-shirts. Unfortunately, over the last few months I was unable to procure any in the sizes that fit. However, I was able to acquire a few other things that I hope the two of you will enjoy. Love the pods. All of your pods everywhere. Keep up the hilarious and insightful work. Best, Michelle. Oh, that's sweet. Hey, Ben, for a moment there we went up over 300 viewers oh, wow. and then almost immediately crashed down again yeah so. i think probably what's happening is like people are seeing are scrolling through what things are happening live on instagram and accidentally clicking on this and then going like oh this is terrible i bet this is something that would happen at live shows if it if it were like as soon as people walked into a live show and saw what we looked yeah. like and then were and then just left i think that's kind of what's happening here it would be like, you know, like when you, when like a comedy show or an open mic night starts in a bar yeah. and everybody leaves. Yeah. Um, yeah, this so. is, this is Instagram trivia night and, uh, people are ready to go. <laughs> We've been sent, uh, some, some ship models. This one is a, uh, hey. these are really nice. I think, I think they're die cast. They're, they're metal. That's bigger than mine. I got this, I got this little guy. On my desk. Oh yeah, the micro machine one. Mm -hmm. I think I have that too. We'll have to fight over who gets the bird of prey and who gets the war bird. Oh yeah, we're we're really gonna fight over that. <laughs> Big time. Got the uh, Borg logo on a uh, commuter mug. About that. Nice, nice uh, aluminum vacuum-sided mug. You got some real nice merch over there, buddy. Got a couple of Klingon ball caps here. Oh yeah, I'll, uh, I'll model one here. Boy, that's that's gonna look really great on a couple of guys in a Las Vegas swimming pool at the end of the year. <laughs> oh man, and we got another commuter mug. I think that uh, that's everything in here. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, Thanks to Michelle. everybody that sent stuff in. Wow. And uh, if you'd like to send stuff in, or if you wish you had caught this live stream and are only hear hearing about it now on the podcast, uh, you got to uh, follow at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter, and uh, we'll let you know when we're doing it next. Yeah, we tend to drop that kind of news a few minutes before, just in case something <laughs> awful happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't... Uh... I think that was wanna, uh, like, that was the Twitch rule, right? We went we went live on a Twitch and ended up just blowing up on the launch pad, and we were like, we're <laughs> never telling anyone we're gonna do this with that much lead time again. Getting people excited and then disappointing them is uh, it's the greatest gen a promise. bit of a brand promise yeah. for us, but <laughs> but uh, it's also not a great feeling. Yeah. Someone just asked what episode this is for, and I'm here to tell you that it is for Star Trek Voyager season one, episode four. It's called Phage. Phage. Bye, guys. Bye. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes, I'm not turning around. <laughs> I'm so glad to be in an editable place <laughs> where my mistakes won't be screen grabbed and looped forever. 
People are already posting photos of me on Twitter. That's one of the great benefits of doing video. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who came out to see us on the on the live feed. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Um, we are uh, pulling up to a uh, a rogue planetoid full of dilithium. This is a this is a concept very familiar to you and I, people who just watched season three of Discovery. Oh yeah, the idea of dilithium being in short supply. Yeah. And being very dangerous in a explosive kind of way. And a planetoid that's unusually rich in it. All of these things, familiar concepts. Yeah. You know, there's a power shortage on this ship that seems to be like the big uh, overarching issue that they are confronting. And uh, we start with a little conversation between Janeway and Chakotay in a hallway. Uh, Lieutenant Torres is working on rebuilding some kind of reactor on the ship to be a dilithium refinery. Her arguments are quite convincing. She thinks it can be done safely. Who do you think is going to be made to work in the dilithium refinery, Ben? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll give you a clue. Nyquist? Not the Starfleets. <laughs> <laughs> Try to imagine a dilithium refinery being set up on the ship and what exactly that would do to morale. Yeah. I wonder how radioactive it is. I wonder if they have to like separate it from other parts of the ship that are inhabited by people with a lot of distance or something. Yeah, I don't know. It seems dangerous. It does. But it's worth it if what you want is delicious food at all times, <laughs> right? That seems to be the main concern. It's It seems dangerous, but no more dangerous than what Neelix is doing in the captain's private dining room. <laughs> On the list of needs is fuel to be used for propulsion, but I yeah. would argue in the first couple episodes of the series, uh, what's more important is getting that food on point. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be eating the food in question for a long time, given how far they are from home. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it's not totally crazy from a morale st standpoint to uh, to prioritize that. Speaking of things that affect morale, Neelix has kind of, uh, without asking, seized Janeway's private dining room. Captain, you caught me by surprise. I should say the same thing. I was as shocked as Janeway was about this. She has a <laughs> private dining room? <laughs> Does Picard have a private dining room? No. I will take this to the Federation Council. He's someone who ate in his uh, ready room to save time. Like a, right? like a Tenenbaum. Yeah. <laughs> he ate standing up at his desk. Yeah. He... Definitely ate in his quarters a lot. Yeah. I love I love the idea of like leaving your house and going somewhere else and eating there. And that's also a private place that's just for you. Like if you had a restaurant that was just just for you is basically what Janeway is rocking. Everything all right? Enjoying a meal? Good, 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 good. What do you think is of the biggest concern to Janeway in this scene? Is it that her private dining room has been taken over? Or is it that it will never smell the same way again after this? Because there is an amount of smoke in here that would set off the fire alarms in any nuclear submarine. It seems yeah. like fire aboard a starship would be a major, major concern at all times. I don't understand this because he talks about how he's like rerouting power conduits and, and getting supplies from all over the ship. Like he has, he has re-engineered this room, but apparently gave no thought to ventilating it. Yeah, he's uh, he's assimilated the captain's private dining room. <laughs> he's worse than a Borg's. Yeah, he's destroyed all the little pots and pans. 
Yeah, there's a lot crazy about this. The the burners that he's cooking the the vegetables on, obviously being too cool of burners to really cook anything. But also when they flare up, that he throws his dish towel over it. You got to have a very wet dish towel for that to work. Neelix is in conflict with just about everyone and everything on this ship at this point in time. And I think one of the ways that this is made most apparent is that he's dragged out of this kitchen and gives Ensign Parsons the kitchen con on his way out. <laughs> Ensign Parsons didn't go into the private dining room to be given a, uh, a station in the kitchen. No. Ensign Parsons should do you know like when you're when you're a pa on a film set it, it it sucks because basically anyone can grab you and make you do something yeah and then when you get into a department and you have a title and somebody's like hey can you like move those power cables you can be like sorry i'm in sound department not my job and you can kind of defend your time a little bit and i think that that's what ensign parsons failed to do is is uh is stand up for himself i didn't see whether or not he had a bar or pips but that would have been an interesting thing to illuminate if you had shot him from the other side in profile. You could make this a class struggle. Like, is Neelix above the Maquis in the in the ship hierarchy? That's pretty <laughs> fucked. I feel like a Maquis would have gotten in a lot more trouble if they had helped themselves to the captain's private dining room and re-engineered it. <laughs> this the uh, the Maquis situation is too low level at this point. This should be this should be a high level concern every episode right now. Chicote should be like talking to the captain like if one of my people had done that, you know. Yeah, Chicote is going to be super concerned about all the missing sterno out of the uh, <laughs> captain's private dining room. I think you can make a make some improvised explosives out of those, right? Well, speaking of uh, fissile material, they're going to send an away team down to this planet, and uh, Chicote is kind of chagrined that Neelix assumes that he's going to be on this mission. I've been preparing for this mission all week. I mean, speaking of assumptions, I just assumed that Janeway went on all of these, but the, <laughs> this episode isn't important enough for the captain to lead the away team, so it's Chicote, Neelix, and Kim. Yeah, they scan this moon and they, they're like describing a system of Star Trek caves with a breathable atmosphere, <laughs> which is, I mean, like, come on, we don't need that in dialogue. We just assume. Yeah. <laughs> this is Star Trek. We know where we're going when we beam somewhere. Pretty fun bit of uh, of child being lost in a department store here as Chicote is giving Neelix and Kim orders. Orders that Kim doesn't need to hear, but Neelix clearly does. That goes something like, <laughs> don't go wandering off in the racks of clothes. And that's exactly what Neelix does, chasing down what he's seeing on his tricorder that, that seems to indicate some life. But everyone's getting false positives when they're down yeah. there. It's irritating. I mean, they're, they were beaming down expecting to just find heaps and heaps of unrefined dilithium. And right. it's kind of nowhere to be found. And uh, we get like a very ominous camera pan past a rock face that kind of fades out and reveals that it, it was a hologram concealing a technological tunnel of some kind. And, and a creepy man is standing down at the end of it. And uh, that's our cut to theme. Neelix fucks around and finds out with this man. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting shot with a weapon that puts him down and he is like he goes from zero to flopping around on the ground yeah. uh, in no time flat 
I mean, I thought his first mistake was radioing up to the ship and saying, uh, Mr. Vulcan, I wish a motherfucker would. <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh, they, uh, you know, in the in the hierarchy of emergencies, getting beamed directly to sickbay is is pretty near the top. And that's where Neelix goes. Yeah. You know, this kind of reminded me of like the uh, the classic New Yorker cartoon premise of hallucinating an oasis in the desert. Like this planet appears to be exactly what they're looking for and kind of draws them in. Up until the moment where Janeway looks at the view screen and says, that's no dilithium moon. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it turns out to be, you know, too good to be true. Because yeah. uh, when they get Neelix up into Six Bay, the doctor assesses the situation as his lungs have been removed. They've been removed by a transporter, which is exactly how the Marvro man died. <laughs> this is like a, a pretty intense, like emergency medical scene because, you know, like what do you do for somebody that doesn't have any lungs? And uh, especially what do you do when there's one hollow doctor and one Tom Paris acting as the, as the nurse? This is where, we, of course, we get the timeless adage, doctors prescribe Tom Paris rolls eyes. <laughs> Give me a cytoplasmic stimulator. Uh, we don't have one. Then replicate one. I love that Kess can feel things happening across the entire galaxy, but when her special man friend has his lungs removed by a transporter, uh, she, like they cut to her sleeping soundly <laughs> throughout the entire experience. <laughs> She kind of power of attorneys around a little bit, right? Like she is not yeah. going to like sign off on the doctor's plan until he can convince her that literally it is the only it's a it's a long shot, but it's the only way they could potentially save Neelix. And the plan he's describing is kind of using the same technology that makes him to make uh, holographic lungs to to serve as a replacement for Neelix. Well, while they try and figure this situation out. There's no time to explain the exact procedure to you right now. Oh, we'll make the time. We're going to be in Six Bay for a long time this episode, and I just want to mention how nice it is that they have a saltwater aquarium in there. <laughs> like all the best medical facility waiting rooms. Gives you something to look at. Yeah. You don't want to touch those magazines. Just look at the fish. The fish tank is a very welcome part of, uh, of a waiting room. It really and, is. Uh, too much trouble yeah. to have one at home, you know? All the that upkeep. wall of, of bubbly water is is really something to be impressed with here. I I, I yeah. love the set design of Six Bay on the Voyager. I do too. It looks like a total fucking pain in the ass. Like I, <laughs> I respect the effort big time. Yeah, it's definitely set design on hard mode. And he will never be able to leave the holographic environment of this room. Captain Janeway is fucking pissed about this lung situation and yeah. decides to go back down to the planet surface with a bunch of security people and weapons. Yeah, she's like, Neelix didn't have an advanced directive? What the fuck? Come on! What about his loved ones? He didn't think about them in a time like this? Yeah. The, Putting uh, their mind at ease? What is... I mean, I don't have an advanced directive either. Who does? But... Yeah. <laughs> 
I love that the intensity of the episode pivots on who's on the away team because as soon as the captain becomes involved in it, you know things yeah. got serious. Shit just got real. It's the captain and Tuvok and a couple of uh, Dustbuster jockeys replacing the previous away team. And they are walking around these Star Trek caves just like kicking in doors, waving the 4-4, looking for the people that stole... <laughs> It's the it's the caper of the stolen lungs, and they got to find these bad guys that did this. Captain Janeway's method of finding these bad guys is putting the back of her hand onto a bunch of the rocks to fuel for heat, <laughs> and it fucking works. She's like, I like the the tricorder that Tuvok uses indicates that the rock that she feels is two degrees warmer than the rock around it, which is an amount of temperature variance that Janeway's back of hand can detect. That's amazing. Given how, how chilly my wife always seems to be, I feel like uh, I actually believe this. Yeah. Yeah. She's always finding the warmest corner of whatever room she's in. So the rock is warmer here. They like shoot this hollow wall down and find this kind of mad scientist laboratory looking room full of crazy formaldehyde jars full of organs. And uh, they see some Kazon organs in there, but they don't really know what the rest of them are. But this seems to be a place where people go to collect organs and tissue. I guess that it was uh, a restaurant where some jars of offal were there to brine. You know, <laughs> you want to break yeah. down some of those tissues before cooking. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, make it more palatable. I mean, uh, it looks delicious, right? Really nice and tender, and a little zesty from all the vinegar. That's right. Take my word for it. The aroma is absolutely incredible. Kazan liver is uh, is a, an exquisite delicacy that most people will never get to enjoy. As secret labs go, uh, we're barely here. Like, this is the only scene of the lab that we get. And that's too bad with what we find out later about who runs this facility. Yeah, speaking of set design, it's like a big set that we just yeah. don't spend much time in. And yeah. we're like back doing, you know, runarounds and shoot em ups in the Star Trek caves. They they actually hit one of these bad guys and it does not take him down. He runs off and beams out of there. They're, uh, th you know, they're in communication with the ship. Chakotay is uh, explaining to the captain that he wasn't able to tractor the bad guys in time. I love this scene because Chakotay's like totally incredulous. He's like, well, yeah, I had to call you first. I didn't have time to tractor the fucking ship leaving the planet. If I if I didn't have to do that, I would have had time to. I'm not uh, handling the money, driving the car, and talking on the phone all by Shut my the fuck up. This uh, gets a big eye roll from Janeway. W when I leave you with the con, you have con. I feel like if Jordy were in command of the ship, he would have separated it already. One half of it would have chased this ship. The other half yeah. would have been like falling into the atmosphere. Total bullshit, man. It's just bullshit. I don't think you can you separate the saucer on the on the Voyager. Can we see the battle bridge in Torpedo Bay? No, I'm afraid not. First of all, it's not a saucer. It's like a it's yeah. like an arrowhead or something. Oh, don't get into that, Ben. <laughs> the the, uh, the appropriation of that for this <laughs> show will not stand. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. There's an interstitial scene in Six Bay where uh, where Paris is feebly helping out the doc and yeah. uh, and Kess wants to be an organ donor. She even shows the doctor her ID with a little icon on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, 
the the deal with Neelix is that because these this hologram can't be like moved around adaptively to to work with his body, they have to completely immobilize him. Um, so he he his body is not able to move more than two microns in any direction. One micron would be preferable, but I suppose it'll have to do. The way he puts it to Kess is making it clear that this is going to be a very special quality of life episode of Star Trek Voyager. Yeah. This is Worf gets crushed by a barrel all yeah. over again, right? Neelix does go so far as to radio Riker to come into the room and ask him to, to end his life. Yeah. Which is really intense, and it's not explained because Riker is not on the ship. He's a welcome sight. What's weird is is when Riker leaves, he pulls off his Velcro sideburns and then uh, <laughs> goes elsewhere, which in the timeline makes sense because Tom Riker is still alive at this point in Star Trek. He's out there. He's out there kissing Kira's. And he was a Mayquise. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. God, what if Tom Riker were were in this cast? How great would that be? God, that would be, it would be a really interesting, like a very interesting version of this show having Tom Riker be a very low status character. That's exactly where cast. I was going to go. If we're if we're if we're stratifying the classes here, it's Starfleets, it's Neelix for some reason, <laughs> it's Tom Riker, and then it's Maquis, right? It's a Neelix sandwich with yeah. Tom Riker sauce. Oh yeah, give me <laughs> give me extra Tom Riker sauce. Yeah, and give me a little on the side if you could. Yeah. <laughs> I'll eat it in my car. <laughs> I'll eat that shit with a spoon. Delicious. There's also some interesting Neelix jealousy because Paris is trying to comfort Kess uh, a little bit, uh, telling her like. You know, if you're going to stick with him, let me know if you need anything. And Neelix feels terribly threatened by this. He describes Paris as one big hormone, which I really like. It made me suspicious, too, because Paris was kind of asking a lot of questions about what was going on uh, under the confinement beam yeah. of the doctor. Like, everything everything working uh, below the beam, doctor? <laughs> I know like, he can't move, but could somebody, for example, move up and down on him? <laughs> so by not moving, would uh, would the immobilized form be flaccid or or erect <laughs> permanently? I know that there's a little bit more headroom under this uh, arc in the bio bed down in this portion of it. Is that for a reason? Yeah, like the question the episode never answers is if Neelix has a permanent erection or not. <laughs> A permanent mercy erection. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I think we can assume he does, right? Just look at the guy. Yeah, that guy's always ready to go. This is emblematic of the haste that this episode moves with because it feels like Neelix is going through the stages very fast. He's, in the beginning, a little bit grateful to be alive, and then he starts to process the reality of a situation and then he starts getting jealous and then he starts to feel grief almost immediately about the the prognosis like he's going through all of this in the span of 20 seconds yeah there are a number of scenes kind of about the various ways this is hitting him at, at various moments and you know like he's very ready to accept Cass's comfort but 
like when when it's just him and the doctor he's like annoyed that the doctor isn't there entertaining him just imagine waking up in a hospital and having your first words be to your wife that she should move on without you like <laughs> that's the haste with which neelix moves here in processing all of this i mean if you woke up in a hospital and were told hey you don't have lungs anymore i feel like that i would also you know. ask about the uh, the status of my erection like yeah right <laughs> Doc, don't sugarcoat it. And and also, like, lead with the erection. <laughs> First, firstly, and most importantly, how's the crank? <laughs> uh, could you dim the lights a little? We also get a scene where uh, Tuvok explains this device that they picked up from the uh, floor of the Star Trek caves. They got one of the weapons that the alien used on Neelix, and it's kind of a combination transporter tricorder phaser it uh it like does a full medical and genetic workup of its victim before uh stunning them and aiding in like beaming out the the organs it's trying to extract so it sounds like we're dealing with aliens who've developed a technology specifically designed to locate and extract organs from other beings they're like in pursuit of this uh, alien ship the entire time as they're as they're learning this and that's another part of the kind of breathless nature of this episode where where we are not like stopping to learn about these things we're like building building the airplane mid-flight Janeway's log tells us that the ships are moving at exactly the same speed which is like uh, they're both restrictor plate racing at Talladega <laughs> for for the driver's safety no one's closing in on anyone else so it gives them a bunch of time to to study this device it's an interesting science fiction concept right the organ harvesting gun i love it i mean this this alien species i felt like they're kind of using some of the tactics of like the type of animal that like burrows into the seafloor and like dangles something tempting out and then you know, snatches its prey, and I and really like. When liked... you go to put your mouth around it, it turns out it was a trap. Yeah, exactly. When you uh, when you Neelix like shove your dick into it, it uh -huh. <laughs> that turns out to be a mistake. <laughs> so the ship that they're chasing has arrived at a kind of asteroid, which looks like it had some work done. It's not a natural asteroid at all, and the ship they've chased goes into a hole in this asteroid, and. Uh, Janeway's got to decide whether she's going to go in two because two ships in one hole might be more than that asteroid can take. But It depends uh, on whether the asteroid has prepared itself, you know. It also, I mean, if the asteroid is old, this could be the only thing that the asteroid can be paid to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Tuvok is a little bit worried about that prospect, though. He, <laughs> he kind of steps in front of the captain and says, listen, I know you, and I know that... You're going to try and DP this asteroid. His supposition is is proven because after they go in, things get pretty tight almost immediately. So tight that they've got to slow down. You're doing just fine, Mr. Paris. Just fine. They slow down. You know, Paris is kind of gingerly flying them through this thing. And they come to a hall of mirrors. And uh, this is a really fun effect when they emerge into the, into the core of this asteroid. We're, we are presented with dozens of Starship Voyagers to look at. Confounding. It's very 
final fight scene from Enter the Dragon, like... You have offended my family, and you have offended the Shaolin Temple. Is this series just going to do this all the time? Give us the multiple ships problem? Because we're four episodes in, and it's happened twice. Now. <laughs> we, we're batting 500 on multiple voyagers. Yeah, we're betting 500 on multiple voyagers and 500 on time travel. Yeah. And 500 on people abducted for medical reasons, right? It's that true. happens in episode one and episode four. Well, I've got to get that platinum, get that low metal Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that. Are you planning a heist? Things are getting intense because at the same time as they're confronted with the idea of of multiple voyagers and multiple enemy ships, uh, Neelix is going through his own private Metallica 1 video in the Six Bay. (laughs) He is not taking to his circumstances well at all. So there is also the implementation of of a ticking clock here. It does not seem like Neelix is long for this world if they can't get their hands on his real lungs. Yeah. So that's that's like spurring the urgency inside the Hall of Mirrors. He's getting like more and more cellular toxicity or something. Yeah. And so the idea is like maybe they can shoot a beam weapon out inside this Hall of Mirrors and use it as kind of a tripwire for the real ship that's in there. Kind of a great bit of business. And so they do. And the effect is great. Like the phaser just like bouncing kind of infinitely around this until it finds the hull of the real ship. And I mean, like, it's scary because their their power is getting drained. Like, the this is higher stakes than just getting lungs for Neelix. It, like, becomes a threat to the entire ship. But uh, they find the enemy ship. It's got two life forms aboard, and they, uh, they beam them aboard and immediately regret it because these people are clearly suffering from a terrible disease. I said full loaf, Ben. <laughs> it's working, sir. It's working, sir. And the makeup department delivered. Give me everything you got, they said. These are some rotten-looking aliens. And I thought it was interesting the way they did this because the transporter room is is lit very moodily when these guys beam down and they're kind of backlit by the transporter bay itself is is the main light source in the room. Uh So you can't see them quite as well as later when they walk into Six Bay, which is like really brightly and evenly lit. Uh, yeah, and, and the like real horror of what we're looking at is revealed. Your skin, love to me. These are definitely aliens. You fuck with the lights out. <laughs> uh, yes, and what they explain is, uh, oh yeah, we had to steal his organs because this guy was gonna die. We try to extract them from the dead, but sometimes, when the need is immediate, more aggressive actions are required. I thought for sure at this moment, this was going to be one of those, why didn't you just ask kind of episodes that we get a lot in science fiction, right? Where the alien takes and takes something that would have been given freely if if they had just asked nicely. You might have said no. But it isn't at all. And you know right away that it isn't because of the disgust that Captain Janeway experiences hearing about what they've been through and what they've put the crew through by stealing Neelix's lungs. It is a horrifying decision that Janeway has to make here Yeah, between punishing them for trying to save their own lives or killing them to, to steal the lungs back. Yeah, because if they take Neelix's lungs back from this guy, it's... It, it, it's just as bad as what they did to Neelix in yeah by some ways of thinking i mean it's a, it's a real catch 22 and you know she's like i'm not going to throw you in the brig and then like take you back to the alpha quadrant that's not a reasonable solution to this either so 
these two guys are in the Pee-wee's biker bar. Like, they are up against the wall, and Dareth is like, I see we let him go. No! (laughs) (laughs) I wish that they had talked about whether the virus was contagious or not. Dude, I thought the same thing, because as soon as you beam aliens on the ship that look like this, the quarantine wall needs to go up. Right. Yeah, or just have Tuvok vaporize them immediately. Right. (laughs) But uh, I guess they needed to find where the lungs were, and they didn't know yet that they were in that guy. But but the aliens are reasonable, you know? Like, they they made a... (laughs) They did a terrible... they did a terrible thing, but that like they're like, well, thank you for not killing us or throwing us in jail, but like maybe we can help you. This is a very Admiral Cartwright kind of amenable because uh, only when you have the enemy's lungs are you free to dictate terms. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to take the Admiral Cartwright footing when you are the alien trash of the galaxy. It's true. You guys look like a heap of garbage. Yeah. But Janeway pays them a kindness that is then returned because yeah. Matara is like, maybe I can help out with this Neelix situation. As you may be aware, uh, we are great with the medicine. And they're like, I don't know if we want to let you into sick bay. It's kind of like a clean environment. And I'm kind of worried that a chunk of you could fall off. Over the balcony, bounced off some respirator thing into the patient. They are really rough looking. <laughs> They are. They look like mummies that have been unwrapped. Like like taking the bandage off of a mummy is what these guys look like. Yeah, and like different patches in different places. Like they they aren't the same patches of grossness. Like each each guy is like get different mm-hmm. different stuff in different places. Yeah. But what they're able to do is uh make Kess's dream of becoming an organ donor come true. They've got the technology to let an Ocompan donate a lung to a Talaxian. And that's not something that the EMH thought possible. Right. So despite the fact that they have this phage virus, they their species has actually gotten really great at the at the kinds of medical interventions that Neelix needs right now. They offer up the idea of taking one of Kess's lungs and putting it in Neelix and then taking Kess's other lung and then brining it in a solution of, <laughs> of salt and sugar for a while before braising it. The brine loosens those tightly coiled molecules of protein. Uh, you slice up the, the lung into some ribbons, <laughs> toss it with a bolognese. Mm, yeah. Delicious. And it's, it's like a high protein replacement for spaghetti. It is. Yeah. It's all I've been eating lately. Mmm, <laughs> lungy. Not a lot is made post-transplantation of kind of a great sacrifice, I think, yeah. by Kess here. Like, one lung Kess comes to and is like, ooh, I'm kind of out of breath. And the doc is like, you'll adjust. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, rub really? some dirt on it. Walk it yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like as Neelix is coming to, uh, Captain Janeway does that thing that I feel like a lot of people are motivated to be extra kind to someone recovering from uh, from an ordeal, especially medically. She's like, you know, I think I'm okay with seating you the mess hall as a project going forward. As soon as you're back up on your feet. And Neelix is like, I'll be back up on my feet by the next episode. Do not even worry about that. <laughs> Don't sweat it. Yeah. So they uh, the ship pulls out of there. 
And uh, I think the doctor really appreciates some moments that he had with Kes in this episode. You know, like the doctor seemed really stressed in this one. He's just one big hormone. In a way that is very interesting for a, a character that is supposed to be a hologram. Like he's he's really like banging his head against the idea that he is stuck providing medical support to this entire ship alone and you know he's treated with great disrespect like he wants to be turned off when people leave the room and he's not and and Kess kind of uh i feel like talked some sense into him gave him some raison d'etre and his uh his proposal to her at the end of this episode is maybe i can train you how to be a doctor and uh Maybe maybe we won't have Tom Paris running around here so much, and that would probably be good for everybody. Paris would be so relieved if Kess took this job, because I can't rule out the idea that Paris believes that part of his job, were he to be a medical assistant, would be to offer up his own organs in situations like this. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems way above and beyond. Yeah. So that's the episode, Adam. Did you like this one? Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. I mean, I like some of the themes about it. Like, I, I like the genre bashing of, like, a quality of life question episode that we've gotten on Star Trek before with the moral quandary of, like, crime and punishment yeah. having to do with these, uh, these meatloaf guys. It's like they have no law to fit their crime. Yeah. I mean, this feels like a kind of episode that we're going to get a lot if I were to predict... The series, I mean, the scarcity of resources making you choose some paths that you may not have otherwise, you know, out of desperation. Like, what happens yeah. when the rubber meets that kind of moral road? Uh, yeah. Th this seems like that kind of episode and that kind of episode is going to be a Star Trek Voyager episode more often than not. I agree that we do seem to be kind of like ringing some of the same bells over and over again, only four episodes in. But the specifics in this one are are so weird, you know, like the it it's I feel like this would have been a really good like season five TNG episode script. And uh, and and that felt very fun, really weird. Like there is no conclusion to the phage guys story. They're like, well, uh, we don't have them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna go off to try to cure their failures somewhere else yeah like their conclusion is off screen right yeah but spoiler alert this this type of alien is uh is a big presence in the uh in the first season or two of this show really yeah i was not expecting that i, I mean i don't know this script doesn't feel like they are establishing them as one of the aliens of this quadrant per se it explains it, it, a lot though by not giving them a formal exit that is a yeah. that is a television language that that indicates an invitation right. back right yeah there's they didn't tie those guys up with a bow so they may they may return yeah is that's what's being telegraphed there so very perceptive of you How about that do you want to see if we've perceived any priority one messages that's that's just really alliterative of you, Ben. I'm going to go click on over there. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. 
Honey, interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We got a couple of Priority One messages here, Adam, and the first one is of a promotional nature. Are you a cat person? Nope. Do you wish you could visit Japan right now? Yes. If you answered yes to these questions, then Catland, the soft power of cat culture in Japan, is the book for you. From folklore and anime to tiny cat furniture, cat cafes, Hello Kitty, and Tama, the honorary feline trained station master, you'll learn why cats occupy such a special place in Japan and how Japanese cat culture has become beloved all over the world. So buy a copy of my new book. <laughs> That's what the, the I'm reading the copy here. It says buy a copy of my new book, Catland, the soft power of cat culture in Japan, today. But uh, the my in question here is our friend Sarah Archer. Wow, Sarah Archer, one of the great friends of DeSoto. That's so awesome. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm, look, not a cat person, but I am very that's much a, a Japan that's person. That's okay, Adam, nobody's perfect. I love Japan and Japanese culture, and I'm totally picking up this book, not just to support Sarah Archer and her yeah. projects, but because I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in knowing more about this. I bet your wife would love this book too. Oh, don't tell her. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get one for her as a nice gift. It's a good thing she'll never listen to this. The surprise is unspoiled. That's right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so the yeah, that that's uh, really great. Sarah has been a huge support to this show. Over the years, uh, she wrote an article in Slate about us very early on in our run as a big reason why why the Friends of DeSoto is such a big and cool community. One of the reasons you're hearing our voices right now is because of that article. Yeah. So, so, so please support her. Get Catland, the soft power of cat culture in Japan. I'm personally going to wait for the movie Catland, <laughs> which, uh, which is going to star Sylvester Stallone as a... <laughs> As a cat who's who's put on a lot of weight for the role, mm. famously eating like fifty pancakes or whatever. <laughs> is this uh, is this sort of like a cat situation where he's he's put on a lot of weight, but then they're also digitally giving him fur and boobs and stuff? <laughs> I love where you're going with this, like the idea of. Copland as played by the computer-generated cats of cats. It's a much more jellical version of Copland. You get your Sylvester Stallone cat. You get your Ray Liotta cat. You get your Harvey Keitel cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. That That's going to be a big hit. That's going to be a bigger hit than cats. Yeah. The, I mean, hey, almost Sarah, anything would be. Sarah... You want to get together and uh, and work on on the story treatment? Holler at your boys. Yeah, give us a holler. I think we I think we have something here. Ben, our second priority one message is of a personal nature. It is from the wormhole aliens, and it is to you and me, Ben. Okay. And the message is in three parts. Okay. The first part is this. I'm Chris Brenner. Brenner Information Systems. You know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. That Chris Brenner. <laughs> the next part is this. And the last part is this. I'm Chris Brenner. 
Sprinter Information Systems. You know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. That Chris Brenner. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> wow. Uh, those wormhole aliens are not linear, so they really came full circle with the, uh, yeah. with the drop order there. I like that quite a bit. You know what? We have yet to come up with with drops for characters from Star Trek Voyager. I'm sure that'll happen when they occur to us. But it I'm may glad have happened already. We don't know. I'm glad our some of our greatest hits will never be forgotten by the friends yeah. of DeSoto. Yeah. I mean, it, we we should be so lucky to have a drop as iconic as the Chris Brenner drop when, when we're reviewing this series. Yeah. That would be great. Hope so. Well, uh... We are fortunate for the support that Priority One Messages provide the show. You can make one for yourself by going over to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Please do. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Hey, Adam. What's up, yeah? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! When you construct a kitchen environment inside your commanding officer's private dining area <laughs> i mean that 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 qualifies to me yeah that is a that is a isolinear chip jenga move yeah yeah uh so yeah neelix i'm i'm just generally reluctant to give shimoda's to neelix because i feel like he's going to lap the entire field yeah uh, and and get out to an insurmountable lead in another ten episodes. <laughs> I know <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna overtake Worf, who had who had like eleven total seasons to to rack up his all time number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Neelix as all time drunk Shimoda is off the board in Vegas. It's such a sure thing at this point. What about you, Ben? I'm gonna give it to Matura, the uh, the Fiji guy. I think these aliens are called Vidians. Oh, yeah? Um, I laughed when he was, like, explaining, like, oh, well, we try to find dead people to get the, <laughs> to get the, lo- the organs from. It's like, uh, like, I just love the logic of, like, hey, listen, if we can, we'll get them from a dead organ donor, but in a pinch, a goofball will do. <laughs> if you know of any space morgues around, uh, that... <laughs> That would help. Do you have any other extremely silly characters that we could steal or- organs from? Anybody sillier than this that you would maybe care about less? Look, we tried to kill Neelix first. I had the beam <laughs> weapon set wrong. <laughs> uh, so he's my drunk Shimoda. That's a good Shimoda, Ben. But do we have a good episode coming up next? We have uh, season one, episode five coming up next. It's called... The cloud, the crew, discovers that a nebula is not what it seems, and Paris invites his fellow officers to share a little R&R in his holodeck program. Just a just a classic Star Trek A and B story combination here. It, it really is. <laughs> Putting a little frosting on the hamburger or whatever. <laughs> wow. Looking forward to this one, Ben. Uh, But how are we going to do an episode of The Greatest Generation about it? For that, we've got to go over to the game of buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker. We do. Uh, Currently, our runabout is on square 31. Uh, We have a Delta Flyer out ahead. 
uh, and a Neelix's galley out ahead. I think we could hit either of those potentially. Hmm. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone and see what we get. Wow. Oh my goodness, I hit the Delta Flyer, and, and we have rocketed up to a Measure of a Man episode Whoa. for next week's ep. Uh, this is, of course, the episode where we flip a coin at the beginning, and we determine somebody to argue why this is a good episode, and somebody to argue why this is a bad episode vehemently over the course of the episode. Oh yeah, this is like, this is like Star Trek Crossfire. Uh-huh. This is we're gonna have to turn down our mic gain, because because these are the episodes where we're both Chris Matthews. Donna Brazil, your thoughts on the statement we just heard from Donna Brazil? It could get ugly, but this uh, this is as far up the board as we have been in a long time, Adam. We're on square eighty-seven. I'm getting a nosebleed just acclimating to this altitude on the board. That's amazing! Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that big time. Well, it should be a fun app. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to The Greatest Generation, and thanks for watching our little live stream at the beginning if you uh, were able to get on and watch. Uh, if you'd like to be apprised of those in the future, follow The Greatest Trek Instagram and Twitter accounts. Our buddy Bill Tilly, the card daddy, has taken over uh, social media duties for us, and he's made really fun social media accounts for the show um so give those a follow uh, they are very enjoyable and you'll get to watch a live stream if you're uh, if you happen to see that we're doing one friends of desoto everywhere on social media they're on the discord at drunkshimoda.com they're on twitter using the hashtag greatest gen you and i are on twitter at cut for time and at benjamin ahr I'll let you guess which is which. Is which. You got Miriam Facebook groups out there <laughs> of all kinds. There's the Wikia, the greatestgen.wikia.com, where you can look into the origin stories of all the dumb jokes that we do on the show. The show has a YouTube page, but it's not nearly as popular as the one run by Adam Ragusea. Uh, you'll learn nothing at our <laughs> YouTube page while you're, you'll learn a whole lot about how to be a better home chef over on the Goose's spot. Uh, the reason we shout him out is because he's the one that, that made for us all the great music you hear on The Greatest Generation over the years. Indeed. Thank you, Goose. That doesn't include this song you're hearing right now. Our credits music has been and always will be by the great Dark Materia. Yeah. Uh, well, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode. It's a terrible episode, Ben. Terrible. <laughs> You don't right, know. Wait, wait, wait. We haven't flipped the coin yet. Uh, it's another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of the greatest generation Voyager that is, uh, you know, taking its sweet time getting home, maybe doing a little R&R. &R. Uh, mm. You know, we're not in a big hurry. Getting into adventures. I so. Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.